listen, it's not constant. You're not going to wake up every day and feel like you can tackle the world. Some days you are going to, you know, run a marathon. Some days you will actually leap tall buildings in a single bound. And other days, the best that you're going to do is shuffle in slippers. Right? But the trick is that you're not quitting. And even if in your mind you wonder it a few different times or, or maybe you're like, I can't do this anymore, I quit. If you didn't say it out loud, it never really happened. There have been days when I probably quit four or five times. I just quit at quitting and kept going. Hello, beauty. Yes, you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. Hey, everybody. Joyce Platon here, and I'm your host at Hello Beauty. Today's special guest is Dr. Jen Welter. Dr. Jen Welter was the first female to coach the NFL. She's also an author and motivational speaker. And recently, she did a collaboration with Orly called Kick Glass. Welcome to Hello Beauty, Dr. Jen. Well, I feel like I said hello, beauty, when you answered the door, but I will <laughs> say it again. Hi, hello, beauty, and everybody watching. Yeah, I'm so excited to share your story, and it's such a powerful journey, and I am just really excited to share that and all the lessons you've learned along the way. So I'm just so curious what your childhood was, was like that led you to be where you are today and also the first female coach of the NFL. You know, um, as a kid, my, my parents would tell you I'm probably not much different than I was now. I was always, um, you know, very curious and, and independent in what I wanted to do. Um, even very opinionated from a young age. Um, like my dad, I had to actually ask him uh, not too long ago if a story was true because I had a memory and it just, it didn't seem like, it would be a really kid thing to say. But then again, you know, kids sometimes are way deeper than we give them credit for. And I told him, I said, Dad, you know, we were talking about Joan of Arc. And he just starts laughing. And I was like, it's not necessarily funny, Dad. And he was <laughs> like, I think I know where you're going with this. But keep, keep going, Jen. And I was like, well, I feel like when I learned about Joan of Arc as a kid, I came home and I said to you, Daddy, it's a really good thing that I was born now. Why is that, Jenny? Because they would have burned me at the stake. And he goes, oh, yeah, totally happened. <laughs> and I was like, what did you think? And he was like, that's, that's my girl, right? Like, I just always kind of followed the things that I liked and was self-motivated about them. I was competitive um, and kind of multi-talented, right? Whether it was um, being on stage in theater or on the math team and an athlete, like if, if I wanted to do it, I was going to be very, very much into it. And you didn't necessarily have to tell me I needed to go do it. I would just be like, um, I'm sorry, I have to go upstairs and practice my lines now, right? Like it was just very matter of fact. So um, I think that when you have that, it, it's like it doesn't feel like you're working all the time because it's really just who you are and it's it's what you want to do. And um, just that childlike enthusiasm is something I try and keep with me in in everything that I do. 
Yeah. Did you get this gusto from like your dad or your mom or did you have brothers? Because I grew up with four brothers because I felt like I was I sort of took on their personalities where there was some competitiveness because that's just a natural boy thing, I believe, where you just have to prove yourself and they love like beating each other and like arm wrestling or whatnot. And I always like wanted to take part in it. And I think I applied that in like my everyday life. Yeah. And I think for me, I think that was part of being um, the younger sister. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have any brothers, which is is mind blowing for most people because they're like, oh, well, football, you must have like just yeah. been around all brothers. And then they you know, you didn't know any other way. And I'm like, no, didn't have any brothers. But my sister, who's like two and a half years older, I never really thought that she should beat me at anything. Yeah. You know, so it was like if she was doing it. I was going to do it. And I was like. I would get really frustrated because, you know, she was like a lot taller than me and stuff. Like, that's not fair. Why does she have those long legs? Well, <laughs> might be two and a half years of life. But um, I think that competitive part is is really pretty healthy um, in terms of where I got it from, though. You know, I have this this really cool mix of my mom and dad. They are in a way polar opposites. Mm-hmm. My dad is, you know, he's as tough as they come. He is a legitimate hero. He is a, you know, silver star. Um, he had a silver star in Vietnam and two bronze stars. Oh, wow. And he just had this way about him um, where everything, it, it was just really clear. There wasn't really a, a black and white on stuff. Right. Like I remember asking him as a kid, like, Daddy, weren't you scared uh, when people were trying to kill you in the army? And he was like, no, Jenny, I was mad. They were trying to kill my friends. Mm. Oh, okay. So we don't get scared, right? Or, you know, was it hard being a medic? And he was like, one of the hardest jobs. He's like, because, you know, where you're running up to in the fight, um, somebody else has already proved it's a compromised position because they got shot. And you can't lay down next to them and fix them. You know, you have to be three feet higher. And it was just like, you know, you don't have time to think about those things. And this is what it is. And, um, you know, after being in Vietnam, he went on to you know, be a chiropractor and he raced cars and, um, you know, big game fish and all of those things. So there was just this part of all of those things are possible and you just don't quit. Like that was the rule is like, we'll let you try a lot of different things. You're just you can't quit. And my mom was. You know, this. It's is this wonderful kind of counterbalance. She is like the nicest person you ever wanted to meet in your life. I don't think she has a mean bone in her body. I've still never really seen it. Only times you'll see her get mad or if you talk about her kids or her dog. Um, But like (laughs) other than that, you know, she's as sweet as they could be. And she was an art teacher at a drop in center for kids. Um, You know, so she worked with and and she just. She always brought this kind of joy and color into our lives, right? Like if you walk in their house, it looks like a museum. Our kitchen is like, our kitchen is bright greenish yellow. Our dining room is red. And, you know, every room has this feeling of like a different mode of life in it. And we were painting and doing pottery and all of that stuff at a young age. So to me, to create something... Um, now is what I've been doing my whole life. And, you know, so you'll see my mom's influence in a lot of, uh, the projects I do. Um, a lot of the logos I've drawn, 
Um, I might have to kick it over to somebody else to make it an AI file, but um, whether it's the the football with the fingernails through it for my girls camps um, or some of those, like the creativity part is always a part of mine. And even when you see like the, the orally ads and stuff and a lot of the quote tiles, a lot of those are straight out of my brain. And even the idea yeah. um, for that polish was was mine so yeah I'm excited to get into that later yes, yes. but you know that's where uh-huh. my mom comes in that's yeah. kind of the balance it's why I love it it's like you have this like tough shell but then mm-hmm. you also resonate with this like lovely endearing personality that shines through and which is important because you have to have that balance and I think that really carried on when you were coaching I think it car- I hope it carries on yeah. into everything that I do um you know and I think part of that is I just really am fascinated by and and like people and I like to see them come to a better version. So whether I'm, you know, coaching a young kid or uh, somebody in the pros, like I always tell them the best gift I can give you is to make you better. And I'm hard on you only because I know you deserve more. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is a great balance to have when you're you're pushing people and that can get really uncomfortable, right? Like sometimes you just want to be able to have an easy day, like just leave me alone. Right. But, um, I think when people understand that you're coming from a spirit of helping them get to where they, you believe they can be, Mm -hmm. um, it gives you a little bit more leeway in, in terms of also like being hard on them in terms of not letting them slide. Right. Yeah. So while I was researching about you, the path of success was not necessarily an easy one. Like, you know, um, you overcame homelessness, got out of an emotionally abusive relationship, and you heard a lot of no's because of you were just too small, you know, little things like that. I mean, it's not a little thing, but you just kept hearing all these hurdles. I was a little thing. I guess (laughs) that's what it was. (laughs) Literally, figuratively. Yeah. But then, I mean, what made you keep pushing? And did you ever think about changing careers? And but... How did you stick to it? Okay, first of all, this is like one of mm-hmm. my favorite piece of pieces of advice because I gave it to a, a friend of mine who is, you know, she's this highly accomplished woman. I mean, she's done, you know, stuff in business that to me it was like, you know, mind blowing. And she was asking me about motivation. And I was like, listen, it's not constant. You're not going to wake up every day and feel like you can tackle the world. Some days you are going to, you know, run a marathon. Some days you will actually leap tall buildings in a single bound. And other days, the best that you're going to do is shuffle in slippers. Mm -hmm. Right. But the trick is that you're not quitting. And even if in your mind you wonder it a few different times or or maybe you're like, I can't do this anymore. I quit. If you didn't say it out loud, it never really happened. There have been days when I probably quit four or five times. I just quit at quitting and kept going. Yeah. Um, you just stop your brain from thinking that way. Was, you catch yourself, realize it, and acknowledge it. It's okay to live in it, right? But then just have that, like, snap, like, hey, wake up. You well, know? you know, I think it's, it's human, um, especially in tough times, to wonder um, what you're doing it for. And that's where strength comes from, right? For me, um, you know, there was a lot of what I couldn't, shouldn't, and wouldn't do. And what that made me do is want them to be wrong. And that doesn't mean at times they don't feel right. It just, it's like, okay, 
But then if you can get back to the core of what you're doing it for, right? If it's something that really means something to you, then there's strength there. For me, they always said football was the final frontier for women in sports, right? This place that women weren't supposed to go, that we didn't belong, that we couldn't win. And so I took that as a challenge, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we could win here, if we could win in the final frontier for women in sports, couldn't we win anywhere, right? Couldn't we change the world? And though there wasn't necessarily a a grand master plan at what that looked like, so there wasn't a, and still isn't necessarily a point of success or failure, Mm -hmm. right? What there was for me was a commitment to keep going, right? And keep working and keep progressing because most of the biggest things I've done were things that were bigger than I could have even imagined. Yeah. And a lot of them actually were not even seen in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. But and none those, of them were. Yeah. And right? those like when, mattered. And because that's at the foundation. Mm-hmm. But committing to greatness, you always have somewhere to go. Right. I think a lot of the times people get frustrated or, you know, get tempted to or maybe even do quit when they have a goal and a timeline and those don't seem to mesh up, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, let's think about how many people we know who went to a four-year college and it took five. Yeah. Okay. Well, some it took three. Some you might have left, gone for two years, left and come back two years later. But you know what? At the end of the day, you all got the same degree. And the truth is that goals are not absolute. They're guidelines. And sometimes you realize that what you were working towards maybe wasn't even the right thing. And then it's a pivot and it's all knowledge, right? But if you say, I'm a failure if I don't graduate in four years on the dot, like what if you were in a coma for three? Exactly. Did you fail or is it, yeah. is it four years from that date, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's always room for improvement, both in what we're doing and how we're, we're looking at it in our own lives and defining you know, success and failure. Exactly. A lot of people are, are even using age as like a milestone in their <laughs> life, meaning like, hey, I'm 30 already. I haven't done this. I haven't accomplished or I haven't gotten in the house yet. So I'm a failure. Who mm-hmm. is to say that, right? Well, and no one is. And gosh, what are you going to do for the rest of your life then? <laughs> if you're already a failure on this, like, it's just, just giving up on it now. Like, yeah. it, it's the only failure really, I think, is is giving up completely. Now, there are some things that you may realize you don't want, mm-hmm. right? Or they're not what you thought they were or worth fighting for. You know, I, I think we have those things or we grow and we change. But to me, saying you're a failure means that it's something that is vitally important to you that you just couldn't do and refuse to keep trying or reinventing. Mm-hmm. I had one of the best business people I know once I asked him, like, what was the worst idea that you ever had? Did you ever have an idea just fail? And he said, well, if it was a good idea, the timing just may have been right. But I have lots of ideas that I kept shelving until, you know, maybe the market kept uh, caught up with my mind. And I just remembered thinking how many times it was just the timing that made me feel like I was wrong. And the window of opportunity wasn't open yet, but I hadn't failed. It just, the time wasn't right. Yeah. You know, so I think time is, it's gotta be fluid. And especially the way people are living their lives now, um, 
you know, I think we have more of a commitment to, um, or at least some people do, if you have kind of that entrepreneurial spirit, you have a commitment to a little bit more fluidity in your life because we might be um, pursuing joy as opposed, as opposed to just um, stability or, you know, the standard of what used to be successful years ago isn't necessarily like it applies the same anymore. Mm-hmm. And it is for some people, but it's not for others. Yeah. So then it can't be what's one size fits all in, you know, the benchmarks of how we judge success in our lives. That's a, I totally agree. And you did mention like just taking on the challenge. How do you think we as women especially can believe more in ourselves and just our capabilities and skill sets to, you know, be more assertive in our jobs, be more assertive in life in general. I love that, you know, you were basically drop kicked into the coaching position. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, one of the things that's hard and it's, it's not just male or female. I think in any time that you are the one that's different, right. Um, and you can't look and see somebody who looks like you, it's hard, right? And if and when you're the first, what's really challenging about that is then it's like the entire narrative surrounding X is going to be defined by you, Y-O-U, right? And, and there's no one else, right? So it's like, you know, I am now not only um, trying and failing or succeeding on behalf of myself and my own life. But if I'm the only example, I'm now setting the narrative for, you know, my entire gender or race yeah. or something like that. And that, that is a lot harder. And so how do you, number one, envision yourself somewhere if there's no one that looks like you? And then number two, how do you find the strength to be willing to be that person who is going to set the standard for other people. And for me, it was always, if you are the first, it's an opportunity and a responsibility to ensure that you're not the last, right? Give them no reason to say we had a blank once and dot, 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 right? (laughs) We had a girl once and dot, dot, dot. And that's the reason why we will not have another, right? And, and so that was something that, that, motivated me. Um, I think for people who are in a position of power, it's a different conversation. Um, You can help other people by letting them know what you see and letting them know how they could even step their game up another step, right? Because for example, as I said, you know, say you're in in a company and there are no female VPs, Mm -hmm. right? And this is you know, a senior VP. And he says, you know what, you could really do this. I think you, you would be a great VP. Um, here are the things that if you did X, Y, and Z, you'd be ready to go. And Hey, I'd be in your corner to support that. Whoa. Right. Like I may not have somebody who looks exactly like me, who I can replicate their process to be successful, but someone who is very successful just told me he saw something similar in me. Mm -hmm. And also he gave me someone to go to if I was having questions or doubting myself or something. So he put that vision in my head. And now one thing that women are very good at is they may not be great at projecting themselves into situations, right? Like 
visualizing themselves if there's no one like them. However, when you put them in positions like that, they don't fail, right? Because they've already probably overchecked the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, guys, oftentimes it could be a little different. Um, you know, I mean, we have a great example right now um, that's very visible and, and way louder than it should be. I mean, you know, yeah. some guys will say, you know, I have a reality show. I should be president. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, what... and that's a very different mentality uh-huh. and we can see how that turned out. So, yeah, I think it's like, it's really about just, we already have it. You know, the fact that we already are even seeking help or mentorship. I think that alone is already telling you that you are already great because you do want to improve yourself. Well, I, I, I don't want to judge where anybody is in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. But the difference is like if you're somebody who is progressing. Right. Or somebody who is a leader who can look and say this person has great potential and I want to help bring it out of them. Right. I have guys all the time who ask me, you know, how can I be a better supporter of women? And I'm like, that's what I tell them is if they don't have somebody that they can look at that looks like them, that doesn't mean you can't mentor them. Mm-hmm. Right. But give them that path and create a bridge. And you might have to actively reach out. You know, for me, um, when I got offered my first coaching job, right, you, you referenced it earlier. Um, I had impressed the new head coach and he called me the next day after we talked football for several hours and he said, all my defensive coordinator and I could talk about last night is how you have to coach this football team. And I said, no. I said, excuse me? I said, no. Girls don't coach football. Like, <laughs> I'm not coaching football. And you want to drop right into men's professional football? Like, no way. And he said, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said, no. And I hung up on him. The next day, he called me back and told me about myself. He said, do you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give this opportunity or taking this job? I said, yeah. He goes, good. I took it for you. You're coaching for me. And by the way, you can't quit. Otherwise, the entire narrative surrounding women coaching and men's professional football will be, we had a girl once and she quit. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. But he was right. Yeah, yeah. Right? He saw something in me before I even saw it in myself. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that it really starts, you know, in any company, it starts from the management level. It starts from the top, how your culture is, how people turn out. It starts from the top. It's the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. You want a push and a pull, Mm -hmm. right? You want support from your peers and then you want a path for innovation and growth, Mm -hmm. right? Like one that allows for ideas to be heard because you may have some great ideas down here, but if people feel like they can't speak, then they're not going to make it up there. And then also if you want people to stay and evolve with your company, um, give them opportunities to develop, um, you know, in, in multiple ways. And it may be like another position within the company or another vantage point or taking on increased project responsibility. But, um, you know, you want your thoughts to be heard and and a path to be possible and visible. Yeah, I totally agree. A push and pull, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's a healthy, like mm-hmm. we said, like in a team sport, healthy competition. Yeah. Yeah. So what is one myth you'd like to debunk from your industry? Ooh. Um, actually, that's an, that's an easy one and a hard one. Um, you know, that 
football players are stupid. Mm-hmm. I, I I cannot even tell you how many times I've heard, like, you know, especially when I was even playing and getting my PhD, they're like, you're a football playing doctor? Come on now, like, that can't even be real. <laughs> well, the truth is, if you have played football or you have seen a playbook, then you know the complexity of that game. And there are 11 people with very detailed job responsibilities and contingencies, to be perfectly honest, say you have a run pass option and some of the other things that have to work together and everybody has to do their individual job on every play or it doesn't work. It is a choreographed dance of 11 players all working together. And by the way, the playbook is about as thick as the Bible. So one of the things that people don't understand is that it's it's functional intelligence, right? It's you spend so much time channeling your energy in one way that, yeah, you know what, if if it came to maybe studying this or, you know, reading this, I was studying my playbook. So um, I would just encourage everybody to stop trying to put intelligence boxes around people and, you know, including others and excluding some um, because some of the brightest, um, most wildly creative and intelligent people I know are football, are football players and coaches and, you know, yeah. and that's what success is. Yeah. It's probably more complex because you have to be strong, not only in the body, but even in the mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you have to be disciplined, mm-hmm. right? Like there is a lot of information like I said, a playbook is like the size of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, and there, you know, for each play, there's probably, um, depending on how your playbook is structured, maybe six to eight different formational changes that you might have for every one play. Mm-hmm. And if one person out of 11 doesn't get it, the play probably won't work. Yeah, I totally agree. You're involved in such a physically demanding sport. So how do you keep your body healthy and you know what are the types of treatments that you like to do to help you recover um you know from a recovery standpoint for me a lot of the times uh the breakdown will be in my feet Mm. if anything because i'm on my feet so often um and funny enough when i was a little kid uh one of the first memories that i had was of and i still get it sometimes when people like pop my toes (laughs) um was my dad like molding my feet every night uh he was a chiropractor and I was born with really flat feet so he essentially built an arch because he knew if I um if he didn't then I could have postural challenges later in life so if something on me starts to break down it's generally my feet um so I am religious about you know pedicures from both the aesthetic and the you know maintenance part and then reflexology um i i will go sometimes multiple times in a week if i'm hurting because mm-hmm. what i can't afford to do is be off my feet yeah um and if you haven't gotten reflexology yet you're slacking because it's amazing um my dad's a chiropractor so obviously that's a big part of it um if your body's out of alignment, it, it's not going to do what you need it to do. Mm-hmm. And then recently, my sister just graduated with her doctorate in acupuncture. So we have three Dr. Welters now in the family, um, although she's <laughs> Martinez. Now she's married, but it still counts. Right? It's yeah, still yeah. the family. <laughs> um, and I always tell her, I'm like, so did you 
did you go to acupuncture school so you could put this Humpty Dumpty back together again? <laughs> and she laughs because, um, you know, health is a big part of our family. Um, I also think, you know, what you put in your body is is going to play a huge role of that. Um, so I'm I'm really pretty. I wouldn't say like. I'm not as strict as some people are on diet because I especially now that I'm retired, I travel so often. But what I will say is that um, I try and keep a good balance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the access to everything that you have mm -hmm. when you're like at your own house every day. So that's mm -hmm. a little harder. It's, it's taken adjusting for me. Um, but that is one of the, the big things is to just try and, um, you know, be more consistent and minimize the peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. um, and then I always, you know, in terms of my body, like if I get off a plane, I want to go and try and, you know, shake off the jet lag, get some cardio, at least move. Um, it may not be the workouts that I used to do or would do at my own gym, but some kind of movement, no matter, you know, where I am in the world is really important. Otherwise I just don't feel like myself. Yeah. I haven't tried acupuncture yet. I'm oh my gosh. so scared of needles, you... but I know everyone's been telling me to just yeah. do it. And, and you won't even feel it when it's done right. Like it, it, some needles you won't even feel at all. And then there are others that they might say are a little bit hot, meaning it's in an area that might have a little bit more energy. Mm -hmm. So, so you might feel it a little bit more. Um, but for, I mean, you, you're in the beauty industry and I'm going to tell you <laughs> my sister, when she first graduated was telling me about a class that she wanted to take because she had found out about facial acupuncture. Mm -hmm. I did and I was like, me tell you what I'm going to do for graduation and don't think I'm all that altruistic. <laughs> I will pay for that class and uh you will make sure that uh I get yeah. unlimited treatment. So uh we could say it was a present and also possibly an investment. I haven't gotten to try it yet cuz she just went um a couple of months ago and she lives in uh Rhode Island. So I haven't gotten oh. to see her since she she went yet, but yeah. I was like what a what a cool natural way to you know, take care of yourself and your body. And, you know, as you're relieving other parts of your body, why oh, yeah. not make, make sure your face looks good as well? I mean, I'm just oh, saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially here at Hello Beauty, I'm really an advocate of like whatever is natural, you know, I mean, to each his own. Anyone mm -hmm. can do whatever they want in the body. And I totally get it. I can cannot write off saying like, I'll never get Botox. Who knows? Right. But then for now, what are the natural treatments, right, that we can do to just, you know, kind of slow down the signs of aging or even just take care of our well-being. Mm -hmm. So I'm such an advocate of that. And I think you sold me on that. And I will definitely try to be more brave with the needles and I, totally you know just I get an appointment. <laughs> do it. And um, I do both um, microneedling and microcurrent. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I, have, I love microcurrent. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have thick skin. So, um, you know, it's microneedling. You need a couple of days off. But microcurrent, mm -hmm. you still can, you know, go out and do what you need to do. And um, those have made a big difference uh, for me because you know, I, I want to look good. And, and yet, I mean, it's, it's those things I think make a huge difference. And I've been getting like, you know, my mom was really big on that, especially being in Florida. So, um, the sunscreen, like for any of you, come on, like, uh, <laughs> at least get a CC cream with 50 in it. Like don't even play. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to think about what I would look like if I hadn't been in sunscreen my whole life. I mean, I was in Florida, so 
Uh, my mom was really big on that. And then also, you know, going and getting facials and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. She's had us go our whole lives. And I'm thanks, mom. <laughs> what is your go to facial treatment type of the microcurrent? Um, gosh, it depends. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of let, I try not to second guess and I'm going to tell you why, because I travel so much. Mm -hmm. I have three wonderful, well, four kind of, because there's a few in my hometown, but, um, I have a few wonderful people who make me look good Uh and, you know, they'll know when I look, when I'm there, Mm -hmm. um, Hey, you need some of this or you're dry here. And like climate wise, it changes so much. Um, so I go to Rosa Alonso in Dallas, um, Danielle Moser in Tucson, or if you are in Vero Beach, Florida, um, two, two of my good friends that yeah. I grew up with, literally both in skincare. So, and they're good Ooh. at different things. Yes. All the hookups. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I always say that they have a vested interest in this face, yeah. right? And, um, in Vero Beach, Florida, you want to go to Megan Timbus Ross or yeah. Roth or, uh, Missy Maddox. That's cool. Yeah. And then whenever, whenever you see them, you just tell them, okay, what do I need? Just yeah. do it. Yeah. And, and it really does. So, I mean, think about it. You have Tucson's climate, Dallas's and oh Florida. And one of the things I had to realize is like even being smart enough to think that mm-hmm. though you've been doing this, like they're pros and, and yeah. let them be pros and find find great people who will give you good advice. Mm-hmm. They're not just trying to sell you on every freaking thing because like I mean, I go into some of the department stores and I, you know, I have friends in skincare, so I'm, I'm relatively educated. Um, and you know, one Mm -hmm. of my best friends, um, Allie, she does, she does hair and makeup and she's up in Providence and I, so I'm relatively educated and yet I still go in there and I go, oh my God. Uh, oh yeah uh, uh, no even uh, me uh, as a makeup artist there's just too many brands coming out like on a weekly basis yeah so i I can't keep up like i would literally be like oh what do you want me to do i'd be like hey guess what and Mm -hmm. you know i do get my makeup done a lot i'm like if i was the pro makeup artist i would probably tell you (laughs) i coach football so i'm gonna let you be the pro Mm -hmm. and um i think it's gonna be better than me telling you what I don't know that yeah. you do. Something uh, that will withstand all the sweat right. and all that heat. <laughs> right. Uh, that I will say, uh, Urban Decay All Nighter. Oh, Hello. Yes. That's, that just is. A- I love it. I mean, I even love what you're wearing right now for the benefit of the listeners that can't see you, but <laughs> you are wearing this wonderful, like, metallic green on the bottom of your lashes. Mm-hmm. That's very Thank on you, trend. Rihanna. Yeah. Fenty. Is it Fenty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have bronze eyelids. Like, that's really cool. And you do have that cut crease. I love the details that you do. So you definitely have, you, you know your thing. Well, and one of the <laughs> things that, you know, I, I really kind of got into it more um, and, and made a point of playing some of that up because I do love color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, and that, again, that's the influence from my mom. But what I found is, I would get people all the time who would be like scared of me because I was in football. Yeah. And be like, oh, you know, I always thought you'd be mean. Well, I mean, (laughs) how mean is somebody who has like green under their eyes and like some, you know, some bright stuff. So I think it um, it was something that also working with kids, Mm -hmm. I wanted to to open myself up and kind of reflect the personality that I have. Um, and feel okay about doing it, which I, I think I struggled with for a while was like knowing that it was okay to play with color and, you know, embrace that because that's what I love. Not that everybody has to do it, but, um, 
you know, I think it's fun. And, uh, you know, who knows? I may look at some pictures later and be like, what was I thinking? But um, but all your pictures look great. The ones like on Google Images, like you and feel that's like, wow, she has good makeup. Like, and <laughs> that's the misconception. They yeah. think like just because you're in football, you're not supposed to fix yourself or at least, you know, at least be presentable. Right. right. And just <laughs> because you, you know, play or coach in a man's game doesn't mean that you're trying to be a man. And for, <laughs> you know, for the younger yeah. girls out there, I especially think that's hard because. You know, there are so many self-confidence challenges and and I deal with this a lot with the girls mm. in the camps. Um, and right now, you know, with social media is great for so many things, but I think it's really hard um, for like teenage girls because it's like everything is instant. Hey, friends, we're taking a quick break to let you know that we ran into audio technical problems up to this point. We tried to salvage the rest of the audio, but expect a dip in the quality. We'll make sure to avoid this in future episodes. But stick around because Dr. Jen Walter has more to say that I think you all would want to hear. And, and it's everywhere and there's this pressure to look a certain way, do a certain thing and, you know, look perfect at all times. I'm really glad that that wasn't around when I was a kid. So the mask, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I, I think it's really hard because you get one example of what maybe a football player looks like or... And then they feel like, well, if I'm not that person, then, you know, maybe I don't belong in the game. And for me, I want them to see that it doesn't have to be any of the work. It's about owning you in whatever field you're in. Um, and that that actually pushed me to be more intentional about it, mm -hmm. because, you know, before that, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, no. And, and now I'm like, no, you know what? It does make a difference. Like, just make the investment to, you know, put a little time a little color a little spunk on your face and if you don't if you don't have that time cc cream great lipstick and sunglasses that's my go-to <laughs> right if i have no time yeah the cc cream because like i said the sunscreen yeah a bright pop of color lipstick and that's because everybody scared me anyway <laughs> and then some good sunglasses and you yeah. could you know that nobody will know what you have on it yeah and even um the misconception of just because you wear makeup there's certain type of girl mm -hmm. So it's like, you should just stop this. Like, you mm -hmm. know, the labeling, you know, just do you. Makeup is fun. It is fun. Just know, like, you're a certain type of person if you wear makeup, or you're a certain type of person if you don't wear makeup. You're actually just a person with makeup. True. Or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about Orly, your mm -hmm. collaboration with Orly. It's called Cake Glass. It's this amazing shattered glass top coat effect. Yes. Talk to me about this collaboration. Why is it important? You know, um... I'm going to be straight up honest. Um, I was always friends with the prettiest girls in like high school and growing up. Even my big sister used to model. And, you know, I was always like the number two, right? I was like, I was a strong number two. She's the really hot, right? And so I think that's hard as a kid to see, you know, that this is the pretty girl because then it's like, you know, are you not that person because you are not the prettiest girl in the room and, and really beauty is so much more than that, right? It's, it's really about how you feel about yourself, right? And that best version of self. So if you would have asked me when I was in high school, if I ever thought I would, you know, be the face of a beauty campaign, I probably would have laughed at you and I maybe would have run in high. Right. Like I would have been like, what are you talking about? Why are you insane? Like, get out of here. You know, and and so for me, having the opportunity to kind of take these very different 
places in the world, right? Like the football field and the beauty industry and to mash them up, to challenge some of those, those boxes that we like to put people in um, is something I, I just love and I'm excited about. Um, it stretches even my ideas of self, right? Like, you know, you might be great in one area and now this is a completely different world and industry and, um, you know, you've got to learn it like anything else, right? So it's been really fun for me. The way it happened was um, I actually met uh, Scott, the VP of marketing for Orly when they were doing, um, they were highlighting women during Women's History Month. And they reached out and asked if I would do a profile. I was like, yeah, of course, that's cool. Like, great. And he was like, no, we noticed that like your, your logo for your girls camps has like fingernails through a football. And, and we all really kind of love it. Like, is, is that something that's, you know, important to you? And I started laughing. I'm like, well, honestly, and this was something that I used to not talk about, but now I can. Um, it used to be my pregame ritual that I would go when I was playing and get a pedicure and study my plays because it was so relaxing and wonderful and self-care and nobody would bother me. And so, you know, I already said like my feet or something was really important. So that was a part of my whole playing career. But then when I stepped into the men's game, um, there were so many eyes on me and so many different like you know commentators oh she's trying to be a guy and this that and the other and people can be so cruel it was like you know everybody's going to see her hands and so I would always kind of have statement nails right like they had to look good in some way they may just be you know the team color or something along those lines or they might be something a little wilder um and the guys all noticed like they'd be like hey Nail games on point, look good, play good. They noticed and they took pride in it. And I was kind of like, I didn't actually realize that that would matter to you, right? Like, I, I, is this a thing? And yes, it's a thing. And then when I coached, it was the same thing. The guys would literally be like, oh, coach, let me check out your nails today. Let's see what you're working with. Like, what are you bringing to the field? And it was a way that I could, you know, in a small way, um, have some of my personality um, still in the system of a uniform, right? Like there was a little piece of me, even though, you know, most of it was, was not, and not that it wasn't, but, you know, most of it is standardized, I guess would be the better way to put it. And so, you know, I kind of told Scott that and he was like, well, that's pretty awesome. And um, they got good reception from highlighting me then. And they started, you know, he was like, you know, would you be interested in, you know, maybe doing a campaign or a collaboration or something. And I was like, yeah. And so at first we talked about the, the logo. Um, and then I said, you know, that's good. But I think I have a way better idea. And he was like, all right, talk to me. And I said, well, I just trademarked kick glass, like glass ceilings, glass sideline, glass slipper mentality, <laughs> feeling like you don't feel in the looking glass, all of that stuff that's holding us back. like." to kind of shatter that and really be kind of a, a, a kick-ass for women. And what if we did like a nail polish that looked like shatter bars? And he was like, well, I really like kick glass. I think that's great. We don't have anything right now that looks like shatter glass. He's like, I don't even think that there is anything out there. And so I started researching 
you know, what you could do. And I, I fell in love with like the nail trend where they were cutting the pieces of like, it's like sulfate paper and, you know, I ordered it and found it and I started playing around with it. And, you know, they're looking at me like I'm crazy at shops and, you know, we're trying to figure out how it would even work. And I would send him these pictures and he's like, Jen, we can do that at nail polish. I'm like, look, I met, you know, like, I know you have a mixologist, by the way, and the mixologist at Orly is a female. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. And she was like, you know, I don't know how to do this. I was like, yes, you can do it. Come on. And, you know, they went through the process and they sent me some at first. And I was like, no, like, and, you know, it's hard because I, I am opinionated. And if, mm-hmm. if I love it, I will be really in love with it. But if I don't, I'm also not going to just like, that's the coach in me. It's like, nope, that's not going to work. You know, we, 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 we watched the tape. We're like, nope, that was, that was not the play right there. And I think they probably hated me for being so picky. But um, what we came out with was, it was like one day, all of a sudden they sent me something. And I was like, so pretty. It's like magic. And it really does look like, you know, shatter glass when you paint it on top. And um, you can kind of either have it be very subtle and just a little bit, or you can, you know, like on this, you know, I took it as almost a challenge oh, with my nails yeah, right now. Yeah. Yes. It's so pretty. And so I took it as a challenge because I would tell people, I'm like, you, it'll transform colors. Like you can put it over any color and, and, you know, it'll show up to a different degree. Yeah. So, you know, we went with kind of the ombre so you could see it. Um, and I mean, I just love it because it's got so much character. Um, and you know, you can make it as bold like I do, or as, as subtle, like I, my mom has it on a really pretty gray on her nails right now. And she just loves how, like, she's like, kind of looks like disco ball. Like I'm festive. And I was like, yes, you are mom. Like got you out of your website. It is. It's it's available on Orly, um, on their website. And my, so my cool kind of product launch story, which of course, since beauty is different for me, this was brand new. And um, it launched, so they brought it, once we decided we were going to do it, it came up with the concept, they brought it in their brand book to Ulta. And, you know, they had a bunch of different pitches, probably influencers that people know way better than me in terms of beauty. Yeah. And that, that would not be a hard bet, right? <laughs> um, and the only one that Ulta liked was that one. Oh, and they didn't just like it, they loved it. And so it launched um in all 2100 ulta stores in september um and it was at the cash registers right so it was like the cash register pop up with you know me there like looking tough in my hand my fingernails on football so it was kind of dope yeah um and it sold out online in under four hours um and then it it was i believe they said on final count it was like their number three all-time nail polish launch so i've heard rumors that it's going to be made a permanent skew and i just got tagged in a post from i think orly like poland mm-hmm. so uh we've got some international That's stuff so now and, and yeah it's been really exciting you know it's kind of that um that ultimate validation of breaking through some of those mental barriers right mm-hmm. like you know, if it had gone really badly, maybe I'd be like, football and beauty. Hard pass, right? Yeah, right. No, no. Right. I mean, it's amazing. That's why I like if 
you guys are not watching it or own listening, you guys better check out her YouTubes because she's showing off her wonderful nails. Ombre, fantastic, like painted purple. I love it. Yeah. And all the shattered glass effect. Mm -hmm. So you're at Hello Beauty. We have a philosophy and it's say hello to the beauty. What advice um, would you give to those who are trying to discover their beauty within? What makes you different makes you special. If you are trying to fit into somebody else's standards or live in a place of comparison where you're looking at yourself relative to someone else all the time, um, you know, then then your validation or how you, you feel on a day-to-day -day basis is not contingent on you. It's not under your control. You are the, you know, beautiful, wonderful, unique person that you are. And when you own that and you you really kind of just work on highlighting your own best self, not not someone else's standard of beauty, um, then you free yourself from the comparison because, you know, as I say, comparison is the thief of joy. And I, I, I couldn't find that as, you know, any, not much is more true than that because, you know, you think about it and it's like, okay, I'm sitting here at a table. You're, you're a beautiful woman. If I'm looking at you and I'm comparing myself to you, I either feel better or worse based than you. So why? And then what do I want to do? I want to hang out with people that are uglier than me. So I feel better. Well, probably not. Right. No, my beauty is not contingent on yours. Somebody who thinks you're beautiful might think I'm beautiful also, but they all have a type, right? Like it, it shouldn't be a competition. It should be a celebration of how you want to live your life and choosing things that you love and that make you feel good. Um, I, I did one of my, like I'm kind of known for my little wacky sayings and philosophy is one of uh, one of my girls at a girls camp that I was doing. It's like my favorite compliment. She told her dad after she's like, she's like, she speaks in poems, right? Like, and, and that's how my brain works. But one of the, I know it was so cute and coming from a little girl too. I was like, Oh, you just made me feel so awesome. Um, but I was thinking about it one day and we had done one of the photo shoots for Kit Glass. And the picture was me behind the fence, right? And you can kind of see the nails coming through. And all I could think of when I looked at it, because it was fierce, but it was still caged. And, you know, kind of this is like, you know, maybe I'm a leopard who finally learned to love her spots, right? It's, it's not about perfection. Like, you know, beauty is found in the differences, not, not the same. Yeah. I love this thing about what you mentioned during a Forbes interview, that you said that, Beauty, I mean, in the society nowadays, we should be more like a football team mm -hmm. where it's the most um, unique with a bunch of variety type of people and skill set. And we should just apply that to life in general. And I love that. And I'd love for you to expound on that. Yeah. So, you know, what I always say is part of what I love when you look at a football field is that it doesn't work if everybody looks the same. Right. We need everything from straight muscle to straight hustle and a whole lot of crazy working together towards one common goal. We have people of every make, model, shape, size, creed, color, you know, sexual orientation, religious status, all of those things that often were used as a society to divide us. And yet we have all of those people with their own unique special sauce, their own brand of crazy coming together in positions where they can be successful and that's what makes us great right and and that's where you see that 
you know, diversity is truly a strength. And um, I always tell people, I'm like, when I think of diversity and I think of how beautiful it truly is, I want you to picture a rock on the street. Diamond on the street is just a rock. You would kick it and you wouldn't even have any idea of the value under your foot. The only time it truly comes into its beauty and its brilliance is when each individual facet is revealed and allowed to capture the light. Um, and to me, that's that's both the philosophy on diversity as a strength and beauty as one. Yeah, totally. Especially like you mentioned earlier with this age of social media. It's just everyone's ending up to look, you know, the same with fashion, with beauty, with skincare trends. Everyone is trying to look the same nowadays just to fit in. And and maybe like, you know, again, teach his own. But I think that it is important to have that reminder of diversity and just be your own unique self. Because no one else is are able to put in whatever unique skill set that you have on the table. And you should bring that. Love it and bring it and and do it in a way that. You know, you're all working together to enhance a situation, right? Um, my perspective and what I've gone through in my life is different than yours. And yet, if we can share perspectives, we're all going to get better together. And it may be as simple as like, oh, I tried this once and it was really painful. Please don't do it. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's how we learn. I, I don't want everybody to run into the same walls that I've had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So before I let you go, what is something exciting in store? Mm. Gosh, there's so much exciting right now. Um, you know, we're looking at how we're going to expand on the, you know, the kit glass. Um, are we going to do other colorways? Like, you know, different stuff with that. That's do it. That's fine to me. I know, I know. We're also talking about hopefully putting it into a gel, which is something oh. I've been really asked for. Um, so that's fun because that really feeds my like creative spirit. Um, and then we'll be. Um, I just finished up my girls football camp tour, uh, for this year, um, actually out here in LA on the 23rd. And so now we're planning out, um, for 2020 and how can we, you know, keep bringing confidence to these girls. Um, we also did, um, like a kick glass in store, uh, with some girls who were being bullied out here in LA. Um, and for me, from uh, the perspective of a doctor, what was really important was to like show them how to live vividly, right? And own your true colors. And so they all got to make um, custom colors at, at the early pop-up. Yeah, and then they named them. And I interviewed all the girls to like, you know, figure out kind of why they had named it and something great about them so that we could highlight their differences. So I want to figure out how to do more in that space because I think there's just so many good opportunities to um, encourage people to love who they are and like I fit in when you can stand out right it's like it's way more fun Duh. and just and love what it is about you those those things that make the world make sense to you why would you give that up because somebody didn't see it the same way mm -hmm. I think that struggle is real you know whether it's you love beauty and you love makeup and stuff like that. Well, you know, a bully might say, oh, you spend too much time on makeup. Okay, well, what am I going to spend my time on, right? Like, I want to invest my time in the things that I love, not 
your standard of it. And just the reminder for anybody out there who's dealt with that is that bullying comes from a place of insecurity. Um, it, it really comes from a place of them feeling like less than. And when they can take that special thing from you, that's when they're winning. So just realize that in continuing to be who you are and loving what you do and living your life and not giving them the power to steal your joy, um, that's when you're winning. That's beautiful. What are your social channels and where can you find Oh, okay. Um, so it's jenwelter.com, W-E-L-T-E-R. It's like a welterweight in boxing. I'm just not heavy enough. It's funny. I've been plug- I, I was born to punch above my weight class. It's great. Um, and then it's J- at jwelter47 on Twitter, uh, welter47 on Instagram, Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook, and Dr. Jen Welter on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, thank you so much. And for everyone, thank you so much for just joining us on a weekly basis. And if you want to find me, give me any suggestions and who you want on. I'm open to your ideas and comments and let's keep the conversation going. And you can reach me at team at hellobeauty.la and follow me on all my socials at hellobeauty.la. See you soon and thank you so much for joining us. You got it. Bye. Bye.